Hey everybody, welcome to Impact Theory. Today we're gonna to be talking all about self-reflection and getting real, real with yourself. Now, this is critically important. If you wanna make progress in your life, to make progress, you have to accurately assess where you actually are, stare nakedly at your inadequacies without any diminishment of self in order to figure out what skills you're going to need to improve in order to make progress. And so that is a loop that a lot of people struggle with, but unless you get it right and can really look at where you are for real, what you're doing well, what you're doing poorly, adjust, gain new skills, you're never gonna be able to move forward effectively. So without further ado, let's get into your questions. Number one, what are some things that I can do to effectively reflect on myself? How can I see clearly where I'm going in life and whether I am happy? All right, you threw me a bit of a curveball with the end there as to whether or not you're happy. A few things. One, happiness, which is incredibly transitory, is probably not the right thing to focus on. The right thing to focus on, in my humble opinion, is fulfillment. And fulfillment has a formula which is about working really hard to gain a set of skills that allow you to achieve a goal that is both honorable and exciting. So you have to be hyped up about it and it needs to serve not only yourself, but other people. Now that's a far more robust, resilient neurochemical state to pursue. And I should have said pursue a goal rather than attain it because you may never attain it. But the pursuit of it ought to be the part that is leading you to fulfillment. So you're working really hard to gain a set of skills that allow you to serve not only yourself, but other people. Okay, so if we know that that's what we want to pursue, then the question becomes, how do we know that we're fulfilled? How do we know that we're happy? How do we know that we're sad? How do we know that we're anything? And the answer to that question is really self-awareness. And I mean, literally being aware of self. So understanding that emotions spring forth from the body. They are not a top-down phenomenon. The interpretation of the emotion is a top-down phenomenon. But as Lisa Feldman Barrett details in her book, How Emotions Are Made, it's really a fascinating conversation is probably the right way to think about it between your body and your mind. And so your body is giving you these feelings which are in part due to values that you hold, beliefs that you have, historical um, experience, your genetic composition. And then based on that context, you feel, literally feel, a certain way. And then your higher level cognition tries to paint a story on top of that emotion explaining why you feel it. But the reality is it's being kicked up by your body and whatever story you're telling yourself may or may not be accurate. But we believe the story all the time. And this is how people end up in these negative spirals. But you have to learn to interpret those signals from your body. That's the important part about assessing where you're at on an emotional um, playing field is you really have to get good at interpreting those emotions. Now, there are two key factors in learning to interpret those emotions. And one of them is meditation. You need to get emotionally quiet enough, you need to get stress, anxiety, what I call background radiation, quiet enough that you can actually hear, hear is not, I don't mean literally, but that you can begin to isolate a given feeling. And then once you get that 
calm and creative state that comes from meditation and you can accurately identify what the feeling is, then we can begin in the second part to explore why we have the feeling that we have. Now, once we want to do that, when we're in that space, journaling I found is the most helpful thing in the world. So sitting down, what you're aiming for, you're gonna write a whole lot of words so that you can finally say in a single sentence, call it the length of a tweet. It's short, it's punchy. And when you write that sentence, you feel like a puzzle piece clicking into place because you have accurately identified why you feel the way that you feel. <clears throat> now, reason I say that you're gonna write a whole lot of words to get to that is you're gonna be exploring the nuance and you're gonna get close, but it won't be quite right. And as you write the sense, oh, I'm feeling this way because of this. And you'd be like, you know what? I'm close, but it doesn't feel like a puzzle piece clicking into place yet. And that just means that you, you haven't nailed some part of it. And so as I journal, I'll say, yeah, I'm getting close, but I don't think that's quite it. And could it be this? And I'll start asking myself questions. I'll start putting forth hypotheses. And I know I have it when it feels like that puzzle piece clicking into place. So make sure that you keep going until you get to that point. But you've got to learn to interpret and then articulate what that feeling is to the point where it feels right when you say it. Now, the last part of your question, or I guess technically the first part of your question was, what are some things you can do to effectively reflect on myself? And that speaks to that process that we were just walking through. So meditation and journaling, meditation and journaling. That is this magic combination for me. Um, another thing that can be really helpful is talking to your friends. Even doing Q and A's, I find really have a way of sharpening my own thinking. It's a great quote, unfortunately, I forget who it's by. But the quote was, I speak, no, not so that I can be understood, but so that I can understand. I thought, wow, it's exactly why I journal. It's the same thing. So speaking out loud to somebody else and journaling allow you to begin to clarify your own thoughts and begin to understand. So those are the things that I would do to reflect on that and to create the environment in which that reflection is actually going to be successful. All right, next. What process can I use in order to recognize when I am just overthinking things? If you are not taking action on a daily basis, you are overthinking things. Thinking needs to be accompanied by action. So the thinking is your best guess as to what's going on. The action is gonna be running a test to see if that's actually what's going on. Now the action could be journaling and it could be you trying to organize your thoughts or maybe you're trying to start a business or decide if you wanna be a professional dancer, whatever the case may be. I promise you, as Marie Forleo made it very clear to me, you are never going to think your way to answering that question. You have to engage. And engagement is more effective than thinking every time. And I think that's so true. You're going to learn so much faster because it will come to you in the language of emotion, which is the subconscious way of speaking to you and the subconscious can process data faster and vaster than the conscious mind. So it can take in a lot more data points. It can take all that historical context and it can translate that into an emotion. So it's going to be a much bigger data set that you're drawing from when your subconscious is speaking to you in emotion than when you're just trying to logic your way through it. First of all, you've got all these biases that you can blind yourself with, you can talk yourself into a corner, but when you go and do something, there's no bamboozling you. You feel the way that you feel. And as long as you're able to, again, get in that calm, creative state in which you can interpret that emotion, 
then you're going to have the information that you need. And taking action is the fastest way to figure out how you're going to feel. The feelings are the fastest way to take all that data and get it into the conscious mind. And then as long as you do the work from your conscious mind to be able to say that in a single punchy sentence with no commas, run-ons, or parentheticals so that you know exactly what's happening. Now you've got the ability to do something with it. So I think honestly, most people live their entire lives overthinking things, but the easy way to know is whether or not you're taking action. If you're taking action as a way of experimenting with the thoughts, you're probably just fine. If you're just trying to think your way to a solution, you are almost certainly overthinking it. If you're working hard to bring your best to everything you do day in and day out, then you know how important your diet is to that effort. That's why I only eat the very best ingredients. And when it comes to animal protein, I always recommend the most trustworthy source of meats and seafood with no added hormones or antibiotics, and that's ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that goes above and beyond to source 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, crate-free pork, and wild-caught seafood. And it's all conveniently delivered directly to your door every single month. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. I eat them constantly, and I highly encourage you to give them a try. Sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com slash impact and use code impact at checkout and enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year, plus you get $20 off. Again, that's butcherbox.com slash impact and be sure to use code impact. If you strive to perform your best in life, bringing your energy and abilities into everything you do, then it only makes sense that you would want to be out on the road with that same power, agility, and performance that everyone expects from you. And there's no better option than the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable SUV yet, the third-generation Range Rover Sport. You guys know I love staying on the cutting edge with technology, and the Range Rover Sport's cabin features advanced technologies such as active noise cancellation, and cabin air purification, a must, offering you and your family and friends new levels of comfort and refinement while traveling. The Range Rover Sport provides an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and redefines sporting luxury for the power, agility, and performance you demand in every area of your life. Explore the Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. If you're a smart business owner, you're looking for ways to cut costs so you can stay competitive. And one solution that's helped over 37,000 companies do just that is NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. It reduces IT costs and cuts the cost of maintaining multiple systems. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors and giving you an edge over your competitors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash theory right now. netsuite.com slash theory. That's netsuite.com.
com slash theory. Why should I take steps to learn from my own suffering when it is so unpleasant? This one is very easy to answer. And the reason that you want to learn from your suffering is because if you don't, you're going to repeat your suffering. And if it is unpleasant the first time, you can imagine how deeply unpleasant it gets over time because let me tell you how the human mind works. Anything that you do a lot becomes easier and it goes into what's called the default mode network. The default mode network is the part of the brain that you access when you're daydreaming or when you're driving to work and you get there and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, how did I get here? I wasn't even paying attention. And the way that you get there is because that's something that you've done repetitively it's been, it's, it's actually been hardwired. It's been made more calorically efficient. So the brain actually wraps these myelin sheaths around these connection points so that the impulses travel more efficiently. And then by moving it into the default mode network, by hardwiring it, now it becomes literally the default thing that you think. So if you repeat that suffering and you make the same mistakes over and over and over and you keep doing the things that lead to your suffering, then that suffering becomes the easiest thing to do versus learning from your suffering, where in a very finite period of time, you're going to have to stare very nakedly at it. You're going to have to lean into it. You're going to have to take responsibility, even if it truly is somebody or something else's fault by giving the power over to them, you will end up in that loop where you're just being victimized over and over and over, not realizing that you can take control of that situation and get out of that victimization pattern because you have the agency to change something and get a different result. And once you change something and start getting a different result, now you're putting that skill set to use that you got by reflecting on where you went wrong, what you could control, again, even when you truly have been victimized. You do not have to play the victim and you certainly don't have to repeat that pattern. So by taking this very finite time, looking very concretely at what the exact problem is, what you could have done differently, taking that responsibility, taking that power back, that's really what you're doing when you're taking responsibility, you're taking the power. Now, when you have the power, you're able to make a choice in the future that brings you better results. And therefore you don't end up living in that loop of repeating that problem and in avoiding the repeating of the problem and repeating the suffering, you don't get that hardwiring in your brain. That pattern does not go to the default mode network. And therefore it isn't the easiest thing for you to think. And once you break that pattern and let those old things atrophy by taking the time to actually figure out what you need to change, now you can create forward momentum in your life. And now figuring out what you need to do to change, now acquiring new skills, those are the things that get moved to the default mode network. And now suddenly when you encounter a problem, the solution is the thing that comes to your mind because you've reinforced that over and over and over. You constantly are claiming your power. You are constantly looking at the things that you need to do differently in order to get a different result. And you are constantly executing against that and that becomes that loop. And I can't tell you how much in the beginning, when I started my growth mindset journey, it was, oh God, it took so much time and energy to stop feeling sorry for myself, to stop feeling like a victim, to even remember to think about the fact that I could do something differently, that I could take responsibility. 
But as I started doing that and got these tremendous results out of my life, I started doing it more and more. And then it became my default answer. The very thing that I would click into as soon as I encountered a problem. It was like, word, if I take responsibility for this, if I claim back my power, now I'm going to be able to turn this into a skill set. And once I have a skill set, then I can do things that other people can't do. And I can change my life. And because that reinforces through so much positivity and it's so useful and so effective, it will hardwire itself. And once you're there, you are well on your way to winning. How do you determine when your struggle is necessary and when it isn't? All right. So first of all, there's going to be a lot of struggle in your life. In fact, I cannot guarantee that you will be successful in life, but I can guarantee that you're going to struggle. So uh, while I don't want people to think that the struggle is the success because it's not, I want people to understand that the struggle is necessary. The struggle is the guaranteed part. Now, I don't want you to be comfortable there. I don't want you to sit in that. I don't want you to say, well, Tom said this was going to be a struggle. This is going to be hard. And so there's no reason to try to make it better. You want to always be trying to make it better. The struggle should be intelligent. The struggle should be efficient. You should struggle as little as you need to in order to get the momentum going that you need to get in order to reach escape velocity and whatever it is that you're trying to do. But don't think that you can ever eliminate the struggle. So there's some amount of that that's going to be necessary. Okay, now how do we know when we've taken the struggle to a place that makes sense and when it's spilling over? And the answer is, even though we're going to hold in the back of our mind that there's going to be an element of struggle to this and that the struggle is guaranteed, you should also hold in your mind the competing idea that I don't put up with struggle. I don't want to struggle. I want to make this as easy as possible. I want this to be as efficient as possible. And the ability to hold those two competing ideas in your head and exist in the friction between them. And the friction is this. I don't want to struggle at all. I want things to come easily to me. I want to become so powerful that I'm like a character in a video game that has God-tier powers on the beginning level. And I can just decimate every obstacle that's in front of my path. And the other side of that friction is that I know that the better I get, I better be going after more. I better be playing a bigger and bigger game and getting into more and more difficult situations. And therefore, I'm always existing right in that moment where I can just barely grasp the branch that I'm reaching for. It's always almost out of reach because that's how you make progress in your life. And as Tony Robbins says, and I think this is so genius, progress is one of the foundational pillars of human happiness. If you want to love your life, you've got to be making progress. But the only way to make that progress is to constantly be pushing yourself. So the friction is, I want it to be easy. I do not want to struggle. But in my struggle, I'm actually getting more powerful. And therefore, I should be seeking more and more difficult things to get into it. Now, if you're just in a spiral and this is you being afraid to reach for something new. And so you're actually more comfortable just to stay thrashing about in the small world, struggling, never actually trying to achieve anything real so that you never have to reach beyond your grasp so that you don't have to be in a harder and harder situation. Then you just have to be honest with yourself. And again, the way that we're going to figure this out is we're going to look at progress. What's your goal? Did you write it down? Does it have a due date? Do you know what? How much? And by when? If you don't have goals that have those three components, then you're never going to know if you're making progress. 
And this is where most people want to live. Most people want to live in a space where they don't know if they're making progress. Because if you don't know if you're making progress, you also don't know if you're failing. And if you don't know if you're failing, there's a safety to that. There's security to that. In fact, one of the most nefarious things that nature implanted in our minds is loss aversion. It feels way worse to lose something than it feels good to get something. Because we have that negativity bias, because that was very important to keeping us alive in a primitive environment, because we have that loss aversion, most people would actually rather stay where they're comfortable than acquire new skills, get more powerful, and be capable of doing more things. So the way to check yourself against that is to have a goal or goals that have very measurable outcomes. So you know if you're actually moving towards them or not. And they have those three elements. What are you trying to do? How much equals success? So I'm going to be the chief marketing officer of this company by a given date. Okay, so you need something that is measurable, that you can see whether you did it. Money becomes an easy one. I just don't want to encourage anyone to chase money, but it'll be a great example. I want to be earning $350,000 a year um, 36 months from now. Pick a very specific date. Okay? Now, we know exactly what we're going for. And by the way, we can break that out and say, how much extra would I need to be making per, probably don't want to do it on a monthly basis, but per quarter, half a year, certainly year, so that you know whether you're on track. So you don't just wait for this binary outcome at the end of 36 months. Now when you've got that, now we can start to measure our progress and we know whether we're doing it or not. But that way, you won't be stuck in empty struggle to stay comfortable. And there it is. Beyond that, just know the struggle is part of the game. Find a way to struggle well. Find a way to make progress through your struggle and everything else will take care of itself. Next. What are some things I can do to develop a self-awareness that will allow me to take control of my path and steer myself towards my goals? Okay, as we were talking about before, self-awareness is really about learning to read your body cues and understand what they're trying to tell you. Understand your emotions and then understanding what's driving your emotions. That's going to be the key. Now, a big thing that you can do in terms of figuring out how to take control of your path and steer yourself towards your goals is getting really good at goal setting, making sure that you use the process of building desire to figure out how to increase your desire for something because steering yourself towards your goals is really about wanting something so badly that you're willing to try over and over and over again in order to make progress. Because the reality is, as Winston Churchill said, success is the ability to go from failure to failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm. Now, that requires that you really want something, that you're able to read yourself to know if you want that thing badly enough that you're going to stick with it, because if you don't, one of two things is true. Thing number one, either you've chosen the wrong thing, but a lot of people use that excuse over and over and over. As Angela Duckworth says in her book, Grit, if you find yourself doing that 
three times or more, odds are you have a grit problem, you have a tenacity problem, you're not sticking with it, you're not pushing through the boredom and the pain, which are inevitable if you wanna get good enough to be extraordinary at something. So we need to set these goals that meet two criteria. They are exciting to you, you want them very badly, you've invested time and energy into wanting that thing. And it needs to be based on something real. It's very hard to turn an ember into a raging inferno when there was no real ember there to begin with. So it needs to be something that is legitimately interesting to you. And then you're gonna fan those flames and really build emotional importance and emotional resonance around this thing. Then the second part of any goal, it should be honorable. Meaning that pursuing it is going to allow you to serve not only yourself, but other people. Now, the great news is that because we are a social creature, the more that you do that, the more that you're pursuing something that allows you to elevate yourself, yes, but other people, most importantly. Now, Mother Nature has just put a reward into your brain. When you do that, I promise you will feel better. I promise it is just the way that we're wired. When you serve other people, you will feel better serve other people and you will feel better. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be Mother Teresa and that you can't be doing things for yourself. Again, the goal should be exciting and honorable. But once you're doing something that you really care about and you are acquiring a set of skills that matter to you, that you just want to get good at, but they are very much on purpose, allowing you to help other people, now all of a sudden you get in this feedback loop of the more you engage, the harder you work, the more skill set you get, this really becomes a passion because a part of passion, in fact, I don't believe something becomes a passion unless it's reciprocated by the people that you serve. And so when you're doing something that really allows you to light other people on fire, and look, that could be building toy models in your house, but if nobody ever gets to enjoy those toy models, the odds of that really becoming this self-reinforcing behavior are very slim. We all wanna create something that we share with somebody else and it gets appreciated by them. It brings a smile to their face and it could be that simple. Maybe what you create just makes other people happy, but in doing that, you connect to other people. You're elevating other people. You're engaging. You're being a social creature. You're contributing to the group. And in contributing to the group, now it can become a passion because you're getting the feedback that you need to go back and do all the boring, painful stuff that true mastery requires. And if you want to achieve your goals, mastery and desire are gonna be the two most critical components next to clarity. You know where you're going. You need that magic trifecta, what, how much, by when. But beyond that, if it's exciting and honorable and you're helping other people and you're getting that feedback from the crowd and you're pushing through the boredom and the pain to gain mastery, to allow yourself to serve in a meaningful way, everything else begins to click into place. And that's it. That is how we do self-reflection. That's how we stay real. Remember, you gotta take ownership for this stuff. But when you do that, and it's married towards a goal and skill acquisition, what you can accomplish is truly extraordinary. All right, guys, speaking of things that will help you accomplish truly extraordinary things, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care, peace. Stop struggling with a lack of focus and energy while trying to reach your peak performance. 
Take it from me, if you want to reach another level, you need to hit your body with all the nutrients it needs every single day to really maximize your performance. And there's no better way to make sure that you get all the micronutrients that you need than with AG1. AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that truly supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you know that I rarely use supplements with the exception of vitamin D3 and AG1. Just one scoop of AG1 supports your whole body with 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source nutrients to support optimal health of your brain, body, and gut. If you're looking for a simple, effective investment in your health, try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Just go to drinkag1.com impact. That's drinkag1.com impact. Give it a try.